I invite you to come, your kingdom come. I have the right to invite your kingdom to come because I have spiritual authority over my own knee, I have it over my wife's knee, my husband's knee, my children's knee, whatever you want, yes? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Hi and welcome again to Simply Healing with Mike Endicott. Mike's already in the den, waiting for us in his comfy chair, excited to share a special message with us. In this edition, Mike is chatting about healing in the family. As always, you're in for a treat and a few surprises along the way. So come on in, grab a spot on the floor, and relax. Open your heart to hear what God has to teach us about Simply Healing. Hello and welcome. I wanted to talk to you on this episode of the Simply Healing series about families because I guess that 90% of all the prayers we ever ask for healing in our lives are probably in and around family situations. It's the wife, the parents, the children, the grandchildren. And it's not just to do with sickness and in health, it's to do with uh, unstable emotional conditions, it's to do with relationships, it's to do with spirituality, perhaps they've gone astray, you know, from the ray. And, and so on. There's all sorts of things that trouble us all the time, every day. There's things in the family which, which trouble us. And, and the background I want to paint is, is that also, I guess, 90% of our prayers are actually probably worrying in front of the Lord, worrying in his hearing and hoping that he'd come and do something about it. And it goes all the way there for, to anxiety and to desperation. But families are, you know, the center of our hearts and... Um, need a lot of our prayer attention and there is a way in kingdom dynamics that we can look at it very differently and very very much uh, more effectively in all sorts of ways and situations and circumstances I was I'll tell you a story now um, one of the, the ladies that, that works for me she was um, uh, lives quite a way away from here and she was going to run uh, among the local churches a, a course we produce called In His Footsteps, uh, Rediscovering Kingdom Healing. And she was going to run that in her home. It's a DVD-based course, you know. And she got about 10 or 11 people to say they'd come to it. That's absolutely fabulous. But it was in her heart, you know, that her husband would come. And that was what was in her heart. He, he's, a, he's a, I know her husband. He's an absolutely fabulous man. He's lovely. But he is more traditional and less emotional than some, shall we say, about his uh, relationship with God. So she just wished that he would come on this course, but he was just showing no interest whatsoever. And she was decorating her bedroom, listening for her sins to a, a, a CD of a talk I gave on family matters. And um, she began to realize her authority, her right to invite, her authority to invite the kingdom in to the family situation. And she was sort of praying with one hand, as it were, and, and going around with the paintbrush on her bedroom walls with, with the, the other hand. And there was, the door opened, and uh, oh, within an hour, and her husband walked in and said, look, I've just been doing some thinking about this, and I think... Uh, is there any space for me? I'd like to come on the course. Now, 
she was thrilled. But you can expand that, can't you? I mean, I certainly know cases where people have understood the right to invite in family issues that they have been able to see changed. Estranged daughters who've gone off with not very nice men and had babies and the grandparents never seen the children and these sorts of awful things all sort of put right. It's been absolutely wonderful. I certainly would remember a, a not so recent occasion when a mother came to the the office about her daughter because her daughter had uh, was at university yeah and and doing was about about the middle of a degree course and her daughter suddenly developed epilepsy and this was a very attractive young lady who suddenly started falling around having fits in the middle of lectures now not only is that a very unattractive thing for a 20-year-old girl to do, but actually it's darn dangerous. She had pulled out of the course. She dropped out for that reason. My mother was very worried and came to see me uh, and said, is there anything we could do about it? And I said, yes, because you, you as a mother have the right to invite the kingdom into your family business. So let's do that. So we prayed a prayer you've probably heard of, your kingdom come, your will be done. But of course we, we explored that in praise and thanksgiving and the epilepsy was completely gone in the space of about a month and the girl eventually plucked up courage went back to university when she was medically cleared of it and has now completed her degree that's good isn't it so you see there you are absent healing uh distance healing remote healing whatever you would like to call it she went back to university and I, I, I have to say, I see this sort of thing all the time these days, uh, working in families, I, I, where there is no expectation of God, you know, on behalf of the supplicant. I, I give you another example, actually, of um, a mum and dad who bought their daughter. She, she was like three months off getting married, and the daughter had uh, had a head-on collision in a motor car and smashed her knees. She had no seatbelt on, and her knees had been smashed, and she came into the office, the daughter, that is on crutches uh, with her knees bent and obviously quite painful and we sat and talked about this for a while and the daughter said look I, I, I don't have any faith let alone any expectancy in Jesus or whatever you call him I, I'm not even a Christian I don't have any faith or trust in the healing God at all I'm only here because you know my mum's desperate that I don't walk up the aisle in church on my wedding day in this condition Ah, I said, that's fine, don't worry about it, you know. And, and the three of us went and sat in my office. And, and I, with the mum and dad together, you know, led them to invite in. Um, she just sat there, the daughter, um, to invite in the kingdom of God into that situation. And within about 20 minutes, that girl was running around our big conference room. And in fact, she went on a walking holiday soon afterwards with her parents and finished up getting married and everything it's been fine, you see. It's quite a, a thing to, to if, if, if you can realize the point of issue here, actually what's going on in kingdom dynamic terms, we can take advantage of something. And, and I mean take advantage of the heavenlies because it is, after all, you know, the, the Father's good pleasure, isn't it, to give us the kingdom, yeah? Now, what's going on? Well, I think what we'd better do here is ask Richard if he would read us a little piece of scripture because... I think the church has encouraged us for centuries that actually the best way to pray is to go home and sit quietly somewhere and pray, you know, hide yourself in the closet under the stairs. 
or something like that and to hide away uh, and just beg the Lord please Lord intercede on behalf of the, the, the person in trouble in the family but actually let's get Richard to read this now it's Matthew 6 5 and 6 and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men I tell you the truth they have received their reward in full but when you pray Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That clearly says, at first glance, go hide under the stairs. Yeah, it says, wait till there's nobody else around, close your mouth, close your eyes, and go worry yourself to death in front of Jesus. Um, Now... (laughs) Actually, uh, of course, I I think to take that uh, extract in perspective, what we're actually doing here is Jesus is saying, no, 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 what I don't want you to do is not what I want you to do, it's what I don't want you to do. What I don't want you to do is go and stand out on the street corner and put grey makeup on your cheeks to make it look as if you've been righteously fasting for weeks, you know, about this. Make a huge song and dance about it. Don't worry about it. Your father will see what you do in private. You don't have to do it in front of public scenery. After all, your father will see what you do in public as well. But I think we've pretty well, you see, that, that, but when you do pray, what, what we do is we say, Jesus, please would you go and, and sort something out for us. You know? One of the problems with understanding how to read scripture and to develop your theology is that we absolutely have to base our understanding of God on what is normal in the Bible not what is abnormal we have to base it on the ordinary not on the extraordinary so if it's usual that people in the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles actually do sit in closets under stairs and say please Lord will you just go over there and heal that for me uh, then that's fine that's what we should be doing so let's have a look now actually if you look at the Gospels what you'll see is there are only three occasions, only three occasions in the whole of the Gospels, out of thousands and thousands of people that Jesus healed, there's only three occasions when he actually does it remotely. So they're worth looking at. But usually when there's only three out of thousands, that is extraordinary. It's not the ordinary. It's not a definition of a ministry for the church. It's usually to point out something else. So let's go look at those three and see if we can discover something else. This is quite an adventure, mind. I hope you've uh, got your seatbelt on. I'm going to ask Richard if he would read to us uh, the three pieces and we'll see how we go on with that. Try and see if we can find a pattern. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. 
Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So here we have this Syrophoenician mum. She's got a daughter who's very poorly. She goes to Jesus. Jesus says initially, no, I, I, I come here to give the kingdom of God to the, to the children of Israel, not to you lot of foreigners, you know. Um, but she says, oh, but what about the dogs and all that? And he uh, says yes and does it. And that's generally considered to be the first example, the sort of opening up of the, the ministry to the Gentiles, for which people like you and me should be extremely grateful. But it's done at a distance, isn't it? Jesus does not go, you know what I mean? The mother comes to Jesus in the absence of the daughter. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, the mother comes to Jesus in the absence of the daughter. Now let's have a look at number two, John four forty six to fifty four. It's the story of the royal official's son. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea. He went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Now this is interesting. I'm not. Sh this is remote. Yeah, uh, the, in the sense that the father goes to Jesus in the absence of the son. Son's at home getting ill. He asks Jesus to heal him, and Jesus says it'll be done for you. Yeah. I'm not sure we can say that that is in the same pattern as the mission to the Gentiles because. Although, you know, if you were working for, for, on Herod's staff, you'd have been pretty well reviled <laughs> by most of your compatriots. There's nothing in there that says or doesn't say whether or not the, the guy was, um, uh, you know, was, was a Gentile. So we can't read anything into that other than the fact that it's just straight number two, the second one we've got out of the three. Now... Let's have a look at the third one. This is Matthew 8, 5 to 10, and it's the story of the centurion. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished, and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So, here comes along the centurion. And now you might as well 
say, you may well say straight off, ah, oh, well, he's, he's more, this is the mission to the Gentiles again, because you'd be right almost in one sense, because although the Romans drew their soldiers from countries uh, all over the world, you know, um, this guy could not have been a Jew, because he would not have been able to serve in his own country. That would have been against army law for obvious reasons. So he would have been an outsider. Certainly he would have been a Gentile. So is this about the ministry to the Gentiles? Well, it might well be, because you see, I even sort of wonder if this is in fact a, a remote healing, because although the centurion comes on behalf of his servant, Jesus' immediate reaction is, okay, I'll come around and do it for you. Jesus was intending to go to the centurion's home, but they stop and talk. And then there's a long-winded conversation about, I tell my soldiers to turn left, they turn left. I tell my soldiers to turn right, they turn right. I tell my servant to clean the stairs, he cleans the stairs. Do you know what I mean? I never really understood that properly until now. I suppose it's been the source of a thousand sermons, depending on what you want to read into it. But in the end, Jesus says, okay, it's done, and it was so. It turned out to be a distance healing in the end, in that the centurion approached Jesus, and Jesus healed without question at a distance. Okay? But, let me just recap a minute, there's only three of those stories. That, that's it. Those are the three. The only three occasions that we know of that Jesus healed remotely. And that's what we're saying. If, if we sit at home quietly and our son lives, for example, in a city 150 miles away and uh, he's in a lot of trouble because he's just hurt his knee badly in a car accident and we need something done about it, we, we tend to think that we're doing the right thing by sitting at home inviting Jesus in. But I just want us to, to, to be sure of this. There are only three. Now that means... God is trying to teach us something and I want to teach you what he's teaching us because I hope that what this will do will raise your anticipation of Jesus it will raise your expectancy of God I hope that it will do will be equip you to be much more fruitful in your prayers uh, within the family okay now then let's have a look at what's interesting what's in common across those three stories is that they are all about family. The first one, the Syrophoenician lady, has come on behalf of her daughter, who's too ill to travel, presumably. The royal official's son has come on behalf of his son. Now, the mother seems to have the right to invite Jesus to come remotely into her daughter. The father seems to have an accepted right to bring Jesus remotely by the Spirit, as it were, into his son. Yeah? Well, that should click with you. Because, after all, mums and dads uh, do have a perfectly good spiritual authority over their children, don't they? Yes, they do. So, let's just hang on to that a minute, right? We also know, don't we, that a man has authority over his wife. That's Paul, writes there, and, and I'd like to, to say that I think the opposite works as well. Yes, I think your wife has spiritual authority over her husband. In, and, and that'll come clear in the sense that we're talking about now. But what about the centurion? It seems that the centurion wasn't a son, actually. It looks like it was a servant. Well, I must tell you, this is slightly different. Centurions are not part of the equestrian class. You, you don't come in as an officer. 
uh, into the Roman army. If you did, you became a tribune um, from the, the, the higher social classes. But these guys are the absolute cream of the Roman army, and they are taken on as ordinary soldiers on a 20-year service. Yeah? And it's only when they retire that they become part, automatically part of the equestrian class as a result of their service to their emperor. And Rome, and in the meantime, um, those centurions are, like any Roman soldier outside the equestrian order, are simply not allowed to take their families away with them when they go on postings overseas. They're just not allowed to do it. So what they do instead is they would take one or two of their much more trusted family servants with them, who would do everything for them that you would expect from a family looking after an officer who's, you know, on a foreign posting, in the sense that, I, I presumably if they had socks, they would wash their socks, I don't know. But certainly in terms of cooking and looking after the home for them and so on, that's what a servant would do. That servant would almost certainly have been considered by that centurion to be a family, Yeah. But he's not quite so obviously sure about it as is the Syrophoenician lady or as the royal official's son because he then tries to justify that to, to Jesus and he says, Jesus, look, this is actually a member of my family, you know, because he, he, he does what he's told as if he is. Um, soldiers, I say, jump, they jump. You know, this guy, I say, stand up, he stands up, yeah? He, he's, he's part of, I have authority over this guy, therefore I invite you. So now you see that actually those three individual cases, those, the, 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 the Syrophoenician mum, the royal official father, and the blessed centurion, they do actually have one thing in common. Yeah? They are in spiritual authority over the sick person and therefore they have the right to invite the kingdom into their family. Yeah? I would say to you that this would apply to relationships, it would apply to emotional trauma, I have seen teenagers walk out of ADHD, I have seen epilepsy leave children. I mean, the wonderful thing here is if you if you consider this thing is that especially your children and your grandchildren if they're babies they, they don't you, you cannot expect them to have that expectancy that faith in Jesus which is needed for healing you can't expect them to so when you pray don't pray with them well you don't have to that's what I'm saying what you need to do is to pray with the parents because they're the people who have the right to invite the kingdom in yeah, works with adopted children as well because it's just us, isn't it? It's one. You, you as a mum or a dad, or a husband or a wife, you you are inviting the kingdom into something which is a unit. Yeah, and you have the right as a member of that unit to invite the kingdom of God in. That's what those three episodes in the Gospels tell me straight. I remember once Ginny, my wife, and I praying with them. A granny and a grandpa, and uh, they had adopted um, their grandson. I don't know what happened to the mother. She was gone. I don't know. Uh, and this little boy was, was actually, his great thing in life was a dancer. He was 11, but he just so loved to dance. And he was quite obviously extremely gifted, but he'd injured his knees very badly. He was very depressed. He couldn't dance at all. 
but he was 11 and I'm sure he liked to go to church and, and you know I, I'm not sure what his, his relationship with Jesus was at all but I know the grandparents and so we stood me and Ginny and the grandparents and the little boy in between us I think he was playing with a toy or train or something some kind and it's the parents who invited I got the parents to invite the kingdom into that your kingdom come into our grandson's knees yeah your will be done we know what your will is lord because we read jesus and jesus never said no jesus never said wait it must be your will to heal everyone who comes to jesus so we come to jesus we say jesus your kingdom come now actually that's not remote in the sense that the little boy was there yeah but he wouldn't have been i I suggest you he probably wasn't there in expectancy terms and it would have worked just as well had he been at home and his knees were completely healed in the space of about an hour and he was dancing again i suppose my favorite story though of all these things was you know that's one of the reasons why this particular teaching is so important is that is that not only can spouses and members of the family be non-christians or not have as much expectancy of god as you do yeah but it may be they don't have any at all because they're too young um, mother came to one of our healing services with um, oh I don't know can't have been more than nine months old I suppose a uh, baby girl who had been fitting um, epileptic fits every ten minutes since birth and of course if you think about it I mean you, you can't turn around to a baby and say now do you have a mustard seed of expectancy that the living Christ is here and can kingdoms come and heal it yeah so we just sort of had the baby there I prayed with the mother and I said come on you do it follow me you and I together let's invite the kingdom of God into this baby's life so we did your kingdom come Lord in this baby I mean because the mother and the child were a unit they were one um, however you want to word it about spiritual authority yeah and so there we go and that baby stopped fitting on the spot and, and is now about six years old and never fitted since. Now, I have to say, I see these sorts of things happening all the time. I think I probably said in this series before about a cystic fibrosis girl that was healed through her parents just a little while back. It's all very exciting stuff. Now, the question is, because people then say, ah, oh, yes, but what about my, my great-nephew? Ah, oh, but what about my great-auntie Elsie who lives in New Zealand? And funny enough, a lot of clergy say to me, but what about my flock? It's, it's mine. And I, I want to say to, to people all the time, look, it's a question of oneness. If you're worried at all about whether you have spiritual authority or whether you don't, I think your best bet is to do what that centurion did, yeah? What he did was he went to Jesus and tried to justify it. And he, he, he won the day. Jesus said, yeah, you got it, man, yeah? In his case... So I think if you want to extend this to one of your employees or your great aunt in Australia or you want to include your flock if you're a pastor of a church or whatever, best thing you can do is go to Jesus like the centurion did and try and justify why you think there's enough oneness that heaven should consider you as a unit. Not not cerebrally. Yeah, don't do it theologically. Do it emotionally out of your heart. Is it emotionally a unit? Because obviously, you know, if you think about this, you can be married to a spouse who's run off with another bloke and 
doesn't and, and, and hates you and, and don't have anything to do with you, you can only say you're one, can you? Justify it to Jesus. If, if you pray to Jesus, talk to him about it, and if you finish up being unrested about it, unsatisfied whether you have that authority or not, then you're just going to have to find other ways to pray. But if you feel at peace, having spoken with Jesus, and you really think that authority is there, then go for it, yeah? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And lastly on the subject, because I find this terribly exciting, I exercise it all the time in my family, and uh, I, I tell you what, kingdom dynamics are very exciting when you watch them in this context. But I would want to add one final note. Please don't whine at God, yeah? The great victory of the cross has happened. He has taken all our pain. He has carried all our diseases. It's by his wounds that we get healed, yeah? His wounds are the tunnel between heaven and earth through which flows blood and water, yeah? The blood takes away anything that could lie between that member of your family if you invite it in, yeah? Into one unit takes away anything that could lay between them and God. And the water is representative of the grace of heaven that just pours out, yeah, all over us. So praise, thanksgiving, thank you for the cross, thank you for your wounds, thank you for the victory of the cross, Jesus, thank you that you've taken all our pain, carried all our sickness. By your wounds we get healed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah? I invite your kingdom to come as a result into my whoever it is. Yeah? You can do this is exactly the same as the way you pray for yourself, obviously, if you think about it. I invite your kingdom to come into my knee or my nose or my ankle, yeah? Or my cancer or whatever. I invite you to come. Your kingdom come. I have the right to invite your kingdom to come because I have spiritual authority over my own knee, I have it over my wife's knee, my husband's knee, my children's knee, whatever you want. Yes? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And never forget Psalm uh, 46, verse 4, which says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, where the Most High dwells. Fear not, little flock, you see, Jesus says, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Friends, there's so much about the simplicity of healing that we don't know. Through this series of teachings, Mike has the hope and desire that you and I will understand, embrace, and grab hold of this simple concept. God wants you to be involved in the lives of hurting people. God wants you to speak His grace and mercy into the heart of their pain and suffering. It's all part of God's plan to reach out to humanity and draw us to Himself. We're so grateful that you are part of this important work. Before we go, I want to invite you to visit our website and find out how you can learn more about Mike's teaching. The address is www.jacobswell.org.uk. Again, that's www.jacobswell.org.uk. On behalf of the staff of Jacob's Well and Mike Endicott, this is Richard Curley reminding you to seek the simplicity and the kingdom power of God's simply healing. Well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, download from Simply Healing, and we hope you enjoyed it enough to share it with a friend.
If you'd like to know more about how we might help you and resource you, then please look at our website, which is www.jacobswell.org.uk. That's Jacobswell, J-A-C-O-B-S-W-E-L-L dot org, O-R-G dot U-K. And you'll also find a link there where we hope you might like to donate a little something to help with the cost of producing these things. In the meantime, till we see you again on Simply Healing Downloads, the Lord bless you and keep you safe. Amen.